Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. J.J. Cooper, Ben Badler, actually sitting in the same room as we do this. It's been, uh, when was the last time that happened? Probably at some, it's got to be, it's, it hasn't been since last year. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's been it's been quite a while. We uh, just came off of the Futures game, so uh, we're sitting in our hotel room, basking in the glow of, of another Futures game uh, behind us. It's kind of like, it's it's December 26th. We have to, Christmas morning is gone or whatever you want to, you know, whatever your birthday is gone. And now we have to wait another year as we sit here. Uh, we've got to go to uh, to next year before you can open the presents again. And before we jump into it, we did want to mention that uh, thanks to our friends at DraftDay.com. DraftDay.com is a new concept that offers short-term or daily fantasy sports games for real money. The concept is simple. You pick the day you want to play and set a fantasy lineup. If your picks perform that day, you win. You can play for free or real money, and they award cash nightly to the top-performing players. They've already awarded over $10 million, and it's completely legal to play. DraftDay.com has a new rapid-fire game that takes one minute to play with huge payouts. Just pick between a few choices of players and choose the ones that will score the most points. It's that easy. All you need is three of five correct to double your money. Draft Day is offering a special offer to Baseball America listeners, so be sure to head to DraftDay.com and enter promo code BAPODCAST, and they'll start you off with a free instant cash bonus. Head to DraftDay.com and use promo code BAPODCAST. Thanks again to our friends at uh, DraftDay.com. So, Ben, today we got to see a whole lot of uh, intriguing prospects. We got to see BP, which was fun. We got to see infield. We got to see a whole lot of pitchers who it seemed like almost every pitcher came in. You could describe as you know, their velo, their fastball velocity as sits in a one inning stint at 94 to 96. Who? But I, I think I know the answer as I ask you this. But who stood out to you today? Well, the guys among just just among everybody. I think that not just the pitchers, but just of of all the guys who were there today. The guy who impressed me the most was Xander Bogarts. Now I don't think he's the best prospect who was there. The best prospect who was there was Byron Buxton, who went over two, two, w- w- two, two strikeouts. You know he did work the count, uh, but he didn't really look that great in BP. And maybe we can get into a little bit later. But just in, in terms of the guys who really stood out, the, the best, the guy who impressed me the most was Xander Bogarts. And he wrote about it at BA today. But he went, you know, the the outcomes were good. Obviously, he went two for three, drew a walk. It, it wasn't just you know. All right, he had some performance in in a game that was that was good. But the way he the way he managed his bats, the way he approached BP and and look, if if he wanted to just you know say there there were a lot of guys who were just you know getting a little bit more uh, you know lift into their swings and BP trying to put on a nice little show for everybody and, and hit some home runs in a big league stadium. So I, I understand that and. Um, I I think he actually actually got cut, got cut off one round uh, of BP that he that he Which thought he had. Kind of disappointing. So yeah. he he thought maybe he had one more to to sort of let it rip at the end. But you know he just sort of stayed within what he does. It's it's just a really good approach. He obviously has plenty of power. Didn't really get a chance to see that quite as much today. But you know it's in there. He's 20 years old. He still has room to even get get bigger and and stronger. But the everything about him. In terms of baseball savvy and, and instincts and, and baseball IQ, you, you could just see it was very high, just from the way that he approached his at bats, the way he worked the count, the way you know they were down in the ninth inning and they needed he was a leadoff guy, they need somebody to get on base, and he just 
didn't swing the bat, and it was the pitches were either off the plate or they were very borderline pitches. And he just worked a walk. He didn't try to say, "All right, this is a you know a showcase game. I you know I'm, I'm here to get a hit," which would have been understandable. No big deal if he had done that. But you know he he he, he stayed inside the ball. He had, he had good bat speed. There were, everybody, like you said, was throwing mid 90s there and, and sitting in the mid 90s, which they can do in one inning stints. And he was getting those mid 90s pitches in on his hands, and he was still getting inside of it and driving it right back up the middle. And then you could see on that sack fly for, uh, that that he scored up on from third. And I talked to him about it after the game. And you could see we have actually have a great picture on our site of it. You can see exactly what you know the the end result of it. The throw from Jock Peterson was sort of up the the right side, and you could see the catcher moving a little bit to to I guess to be the to the catcher's left. And then Bogarts just sort of instinctively swerved, dove out of the way, made a pretty athletic play to dive around and make sure he avoided the tag, really and, and he was safe. Play. I mean, it was he did a lot of really smart things. And then after the game, we were, I was talking to Alex Spear of uh, our Red Sox correspondent with with WEI. Uh, he and I were just chatting with him a little bit after the game, and then he was like, uh, he was like, so. How'd uh, how'd I look at shortstop? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he is the guy who look when when he is when he signed, it was just a guy you thought would bet he you just thought he would get so big. By the time he's you know 23, 24, by the time he's ready for the big leagues, all right, well this guy's probably not going to play shortstop. But he's his bat has just got there so quickly, and he he's just been better defensively, and he hasn't gotten to the point where he's been so big that he has to move over to third base now. I think at some point, yeah, he is going to move there, but I don't. Maybe when he's 25, 26, maybe earlier. I, you know, it, it, part of it depends on how the Red Sox are going to shake things out with Iglesias and Will Middlebrooks and that situation. But you know, he could play a passable shortstop right now. But even if he goes to third base, I mean, it's just going to be a monster bat. Right, the bat's going to probably play wherever. I mean, almost you could put him at first base right. if you needed to, but I don't not think going you, to. Yeah, you're not going to. That's that's the great thing is you could. You could keep him at either shortstop or third base, either one, and he's gonna he's gonna have so much offensive upside there. No, he was he was definitely one of the more impressive guys here. And what stands out, this isn't that important, but he is going to be eventually playing in Boston. It looks like. Also, he's a guy who's ready for kind of the a lot of the ancillary stuff that comes with being a big league player. Just. You know, watching him, I got to see him talk to Alex Spear before the game. He's one of the Red Sox beat writers. And he's very comfortable in, you know, like, he he's not a guy who looks like he'll have any problems. I wish I was fluent in four languages. Like, you know, and a game's over and, you know, he got the big hit or he made the error. He's a guy who's going to be comfortable kind of facing the music on that. He's he's a guy who, again, when, when you see questions about him playing shortstop, it really does seem like it's less about can he play shortstop right now and it's more about is he going to just when he's 25 at that point is he going to have gotten to the point where he's just so big that maybe he's a he's just a well, it's, it's a little like it. like Correa in the yeah. same sense Carlos Correa with the Astros who by the way uh, if you were talking about another guy who really stood out to me today Correa I got to see Correa take BP in Quad Cities a couple of weeks ago and it was nice but to be honest, there wasn't anything that spectacular about it. I can't. I'm trying to think back. I haven't checked my notes, but he might have hit a ball out. He may have hit two out. But I don't. I mean, he didn't really crank anything. And admittedly, that was a normal BP today. He was having a little bit of a different BP today. Is a BP where you try to hit the ball really far. But uh, the best way I can put it, if 
Miguel Sano to me has as good a raw power as anyone in the minors. Carlos Correa hit balls further today than Miguel Sano did. Yeah, and it's a good thing we, you know, obviously I'm sure most of our 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 listeners didn't get to see him actually swing the bat in a game, <laughs> in the game because he, he went he didn't, 0 for 0. Yeah, he was on deck when the uh, final out was recorded. But yeah, his BP was was impressive. I mean, and he they list him at six foot four. Maybe he is six foot four. That's a big guy. He almost looked like he was taller than that. He was just he's just such a big big guy. You, you can't help when you see him. You can't help but think he was like Manny Machado a couple of years ago when you not that many years ago, but Manny Machado for a guy who's playing shortstop at at that height for one thing. I mean, Correa still can fill out more, but as far as t- height, he is one of he's right now one of the tallest shortstops in the game. Yeah, and he's not he, you know what I, I the, the question is whether he's going to stay at shortstop, whether he's going to move to third base. You know, I think he's I'm not saying he's Cal Ripken Jr., don't get me wrong, but Cal Ripken was another guy who's 6 foot 4, didn't run. <laughs> he, he he barely ever stole any bases, but won a ton of gold gloves. You you look, if you like the defensive metrics, which obviously are not that sophisticated from when he played, not that they're, you know, that sophisticated now depending how you feel about that, but all of the he grades out very highly and all that. So I don't think you need to really be a burner to play short. So it's more about that quick first step. You know, do you have the hands? He has plenty of arm. And then seeing him, I, so I think he can play shortstop. But you know what? Even if even if he has to go to third base at some point, I think he can. I think he's going to be plenty of bat there. I, I really like his swing. And you could just from seeing the BP today. I mean, he's he's hit five home runs. It's it's the Midwest League. He's 18 years old. It's his first pro season. You look at the track record of guys who've, who've hit a lot of home runs in the major leagues. Usually when they're 18 years old in A ball, <laughs> they're not tearing the cover off the ball for a lot of power. But Correa, you can see the raw there's power. power there. There's definitely, there's, I mean, there, you could call that plus raw power right now. And it's just a matter of him taking it to games more frequently. Not because he's striking out a ton. It's just a matter of, you know, you learn which pitches you, you want to turn on more. Which pitches are you going to drive in your zone versus which pitches you're, you know, maybe just going to, you know, try to hit line drives, try to go the other way with. He, and this guy, is, he, he has a very selective approach to play too. He's going to get on base a lot. And once that power comes, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, Manny Machado is, is a pretty apt comparison, I think. I've heard that before from scouts. I think it's you, you could see a, a similar takeoff kind of like that. It's funny. I, I was talking to one scout when I was in Quad Cities with uh, an older scout. And I said, you know, I, I didn't get to see, obviously, uh, I'm not old enough to have seen Alex Rodriguez as an 18-year-old. But I can't imagine his body look kind of like that. And the scout who did see Alex Rodriguez like, I saw Alex Rodriguez as an 18-year-old. No, Alex Rodriguez as an 18-year-old was a lot more filled out than that. So it's like, okay, Carlos Correa doesn't have that body. He, But Manny Machado is an apt comparison. He had Because Machado had that same kind of, a little bit lankier build than, than than A-Rod did at that age. But he really was one of the guys, to me, who stood out. Again, if you watch the game, you can't say he stood out because I don't think he actually got to do anything, actually, in the game besides play. That was pretty much it. I don't think there was – no, there was a ball hit to him, and he threw it in the dirt for uh, – That was the one – was that the one that Springer hit? Yeah, where yeah. He, he didn't – it wasn't a great play. I mean, you know, no other way to put it. He, he basically – he kind of – was a, he didn't play it uh, aggressively enough when you have a guy like Springer who could run like Springer did, and then he realized it. And so then he kind of 
they tried to put a little extra on the throw, and he kind of basically uh, bounced it. So not the greatest play defensively, but, again, it's one play. Um, another guy that stood out to me was, was Gregory Polanco. And, again, if you didn't get to see BP today, you know, we're sorry because that really was a, a big part of the show, more so in BP than in the game. He didn't look bad in the game. He did have one ball, a double that Yelich hit. That was not the greatest route. Not the greatest route. But in BP, he had a couple of balls into the second deck in right field at City Field. Showed really uh, excellent raw power, especially when you get when you consider his age. But the other thing that just stands out about him is, is he just keeps getting bigger. He's now a six foot five. He said he's about two fifteen now, which, and he's still he's still young. Like they're still he's still gonna fill out some more. I, I was we were some you know talking at dinner. Again, I'm not a scout and I'm not you know pretending that I am. But you look at him body wise, he can play center field right now. You look at the Pirates organization, and when they have McCutcheon and they have Starling Marte, you look at his body type and you say, you know what? That's their right fielder because he also has a really good arm. That's their right fielder going forward. Well, when he was when he was 15, he was a he, he was a pitcher and he played the outfield and basically eventually he signed and and the Pirates basically just said uh, their international director Rene Gallo just said you're you're going to be a position player. And I think that's worked out pretty well. It's worked out really well. I mean that's you know and it didn't work. I mean well I shouldn't say it didn't work out at first. It was not all there for him. No. I mean, the, the strides and the improvements that he's been able to make <laughs> since he was basically struggling in rookie ball are, are phenomenal. Uh, but obviously, he didn't have this kind of power when he was younger, but you could see the tools and then just give him a ton of credit and give their player development credit, too, because of the adjustments that he's been able to make to, to, to have those tools play in the games are amazing, I think. One thing it does remind me is it's like we have a photo that we're running that we've used of him occasionally that's from last year. And it's like, okay, we can't use that anymore because the Gregory Polanco at the start of last year compared to the Gregory Polanco of now, body-wise, I think he, I mean, like he's listed right now, I think still it's officially at 6'4", 170. He's, he's 45 <laughs> pounds heavier than that now. He's a much bigger, and the power has come with that. He runs, he still runs, I mean, He's athletic. He's an athletic six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. But uh, again, he was a guy who really did stand out from the standpoint of, oh, knew it going in. I mean, we we ranked him very high in our, our midseason top fifty. But it's great to see it in person. Yeah, if if you ask, like, you know, he's all he's hit. He gets on base. He can run. He can steal bases. He can play. You know, a good center field. Not so much today, <laughs> but he can also throw. Obviously. The one question is, all right, well, how much power is he going to have? And you can see oh, the bat yeah. speed, and you can see the size. And then to see him today, I mean, he all, there's like there's like two decks in right field in, in City Field, and he pretty much almost hit it over the second deck. Uh, he, he was about midway up. He was kind of, there was there was one that was almost was about to fifteen the, rows up to me when it, I saw it. There was one he hit that almost went out. <laughs> I mean, him. Him and Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson, Peterson really was did. more of like uh, Peterson was do, doing a little more dip in the back shoulder and, and putting a little more Peter, uppercut into Peterson. it. He was enjoying the uh, the moment. But he, both of those guys, I mean, and Peterson's another guy too who I think of him as you know 
there's there's power potential there. He's, he's got loft in his swing, but he's just uh, he's more of a hit first, power second really guy. Quick hands. But the power there, the power that both those guys showed today in batting practice was was impressive. I, I don't really have many doubts. You know, maybe there's some adjustments. You know, Polanco might have to make that. You know, you saw what Dominic Brown had to make some adjustments before he got to his power, and obviously he had some Hammett, you know, or some some injuries that kind of held him back a little bit, and, and the way the Phillies handled him. But you know, he's another guy with you know six foot five, left-handed hitter. You know, just by just because of how long your arms are, you're going to have some length to your swing. So there's going to be some adjustments when you get to the big leagues. But at some point, I I think even if there is that you know initial learning curve or once pitchers sort of get a read on, or get a book on Polanco, you know, he might have to make some adjustments then. But I think at some point you're going to see him breaking out for that kind of power that Dominic Brown has been showing this year. I don't know if it's going to be immediately, if it's going to be in a few years down the road. But I think, you know, this is a guy who's going to potentially play, or has the ability, I should say, to play a premium position. Not going to happen in Pittsburgh with McCutcheon there and then with Marte there also. Right. Especially because you look at. Those are two guys who, build-wise, just are your more traditional center fielder. Yeah, and, and Marte can just absolutely fly and, and throw, too. But, but I mean, Polanco, can, he's going to get on base. And I think at some point there's, you know, we were thinking maybe 15, 20 home runs. I think that would – I'd be – there's no way that's his power. I, think, I mean, it's 20, 25, maybe even, you know, 25-plus at some point. This is guy is just – this. there's just so much star potential with him. So who else? Okay, so I I threw up back out. I ping pong back Polanco. Who else is guys? Is the guy you're going to remember from this year's well, yeah, the, good the, or bad? Two two hitters. I, I think we should talk about. You know, one with Peterson. We just talked about is is BP. But in the game, you could see it was a much more refined, professional approach. Uh, you know, the way he he managed his at bats, the way he he approached it. Um, you know, he, he, he'll go to the opposite field. He'll, he'll, his bat, the bat head stays in the zone for, for a good amount of time when he, when he gets into the game and, and he's, he's able to use the whole field. And then and the other guy is Christian Yelich, you know, outstanding performance in the game. Uh, you can just see how quick and, and compact he is, even though he's a guy who is, you know, pretty, you know, more of like a long, he's got some long levers to him, but it's the, the, the way his hands there's, there's got to be some explosiveness there to to what you do to have success in the big leagues and and with him it's it's not that he's a you know quick twitch athletic you know you know guy like that but the hands are, are so fast and so quick to the ball uh, and, and the swing the way it works through the zone is just so nice and his approach is so good that it's just he just hits laser beams. Funny thing is, is he had a if you said who had probably the worst BP to me. It probably was Yelich, but I asked him about it after the game, and he admitted, like, no, I, I was that wasn't a normal BP. Because the first couple of rounds, Yelich yeah. was, like, yanking balls foul regularly, and just, I mean, it was all It was a lot out. of hook, yeah. It was a lot of hook. But and that's not normally Christian Yelich. That's not normally his game, but he did admit after the game, yeah, yeah okay, I, I was, I mean, let's be honest, I was uh, I was just trying to to kind of put the ball, you know, in the in the seats, that's what we're here for. Um but in the game, it was back to that much more of a, uh, a professional approach, much more of use the field, nice line drive double. Again, Gregory Polanco helped it a little bit by not taking the best route necessarily. Well, really not in the best route. 
giving up on the ball that actually landed short of the the wall. Yeah, he kind of went back, and then he went to the right, and then he went back again. So <laughs> it was not... I tweeted, you know, and I, I, my Byron Buxton uh, fandom is is well known, but I, I, I've seen Byron Buxton make that catch. So yes, Byron Buxton, I, I do think that. Speaking of guys but, who did not have a great game, yeah, that you know Byron Buxton, he was he was pretty rough today. In BP, it was eh, there wasn't really much that well, stood I, out. But the thing about this is that Byron Buxton is not going to look really that right. great in the BP because see, I've seen now I guess two BPs of his. He didn't look that great in the last BP I saw either because I asked him before the game, before the BP, I said so. BP here a little different. All the scouts, all the fans, guys, you know, really cranking the ball. He's like. I gotta avoid that. That's not me. That's not my game. I gotta get hit line drives, hmm. and he did hit a number of like. He was wearing out the L screen. Yeah, he was wearing out the L screen, kind of as which is what he does in BP, from what I've seen. But I don't think he hit a ball out today. I don't think he really necessarily even tried to hit a ball out though. Is is the in the game? You got to see the selectivity, but he, today, I mean, he was against guys who were throwing strikes. He. he his selectivity did not pay off because he was not getting himself necessarily in counts really to take a whole lot of advantage of it. He looked he looked at a couple of pitches, hittable pitches, that were not really a great pitch to hit, but hittable pitches against guys making good pitches that then put him in, in two strike counts where uh, he struck out twice. I mean, so, no, not the best game for him. Um, speaking of not the best game, we really only had two pitchers today, I would argue, who it was a, a somewhat pitching-dominated day. The U.S. pitchers only allowed three hits all game, a couple more walks than that. But basically every time they walked someone, it seemed like uh, Colton Wong and Chris Owings teamed up to erase that guy with the double play to end the inning. But the only pitchers really today, it seems like, who really labored to me, there are three. Ren- Anthony Renato, yeah. Michael, you know, Anoa, and uh, Contreras. And then, oh, four then. Kyle Crick, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, Crick basically just didn't throw strikes, and he was out there a pretty short outing. He was done very quickly. I think of the 15 pitches, he threw 11 or balls. So, he just never found the zone. Um, I was probably, you know, Anthony Renato is probably ready for uh, All-Star Games to be over. He got the loss in the Eastern League All-Star Game earlier last week. Uh, three runs, three walks in one inning. Today, he gets lifted. You don't want to get lifted if it's not the ninth inning. You don't want to get lifted as a pitcher in this game because pretty much everyone gets an inning. Anthony Renato didn't get an inning. They brought Jesse Biddle in, who nice piece of pitching to get uh, Michael Franco. But Renato just really didn't seem to – he didn't seem to have a whole lot of feel for the zone today. What did you see from Anoa, which I know you were very excited to see Anoa in person. Yeah, the, the fastball, the velocity was good. I mean, it was – he was sitting 94, 95, which is which is good. I mean, it, the he hasn't taken the big jump up because he was hitting 94 when he was 16. But obviously, you got to keep in mind all the injuries that that have sidetracked him. For, so you know, for his velocity to at least be back, that's a good sign. Uh, you know, he he did throw some good curveballs, but I think a lot of the you know his arm angle was dropping a little bit. And he really he had a tough time with his fastball location. I think that got him in a lot of trouble today. Um, I think I think that was the biggest issue for him for the most part. Yeah, I I thought Contreras again. He was another guy who I didn't think it was a terrible outing for Contreras. Just not a very good one. There wasn't anything that really stood out to me as like, well, you know, it 
that's going to happen sometimes. No one had the Ariel Pena outing that we saw last year where poor Ariel Pena couldn't get an out. Uh, eight runs, really probably the worst outing anyone's ever had in the Futures game. Um, on the hitter side, did anyone stand out to you? We talked about Buxton's two strikeouts. Anyone else who you say, okay, that you know that wasn't a, wasn't a real impressive uh, day at the plate or the BP? Uh, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, but it's really Buxton was the guy. I mean, Crone's first at bat was probably the worst at bat of the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think any Ramirez, he, he, Crone obviously made up for it a little bit later. He got a couple of hits, but that first at bat was, it was like, uh, that like was you don't, you don't, matched. like you don't, like you don't, you know, you don't have to swing at every pitch, right? I mean, he was completely. Yeah, like you said, he was just completely overmatched against Romero, who was making, you know, good pitches, but it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like he was throwing the a nasty hook at him. Where you go, yeah, okay, you just can't catch up to it. Yeah, so that was to me that was, <laughs> I'm glad he was able to uh, to atone for that later in the game. The thing that stands out about this game overall is, and we've talked about it, it's a chance to see more quality prospects in one place than you literally ever can. There is no other game. AFL Rising Star, Arizona Fall League Rising Stars game is probably the closest thing we get, but you don't get the pitching. The pitching at the Arizona Fall League Rising Stars game does not come close no. to matching what you get at this game because most of these pitchers are not going to participate in the Arizona Fall League. They're going to have too many innings under their belt. Um what is awesome about this game is that by next year at this time, there will be a number of guys who we saw in this game, and you say, oh, that guy's really, really well you know, in, in the big leagues. By a couple of years from now, it'll be these guys are the, you know, many, some of them, not all of them, not even many of them, but some of them are going to be among the best players in the game. And that's the, it's always fun to get to the, you know, to get to see them in a situation like this. And it's also fun to see them at a time where for a lot of these guys, for most of these guys, this is not the first time they've been in a big league clubhouse, been in a big league ballpark. A lot of them, if they're in the U.S., they got invited to you know to do take BP in a big league ballpark before they sign. A lot of these guys, once they sign, they got a chance you know to, to maybe see the you know they got invited to see the clubhouse, take in a round of BP you know with the big league club. Well, I was talking to uh, Eddie Butler about that. He's like, yeah. Rockies pitcher, who, by the way, speaking of guys who who had impressive days today, I thought we, I think we both thought that Butler was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, we got to talk about pitchers now, and and you know, I, I thought the best pitcher there was Archie Bradley, but the guy who stood out to me the most was Eddie Butler because you know, I I talked to a team one team official uh, from from an American League team, and he was saying this guy basically just follows around a you know minor league. Uh, you know, guys all year, and he asked him who's, you know, who, who are the top guys you've seen this year, and uh, you know he had seen Puig, so he saw Puig in the minor leagues, uh, so he obviously mentioned him, and then you know pitchers, he said Eddie Butler, and I was like really like, and he'd seen a lot of guys, and I was he was like yeah Eddie Butler's stuff was outstanding, so all right, I mean it's not like Eddie Butler Eddie Butler was this you know off the radar nowhere guy, he was pretty high draft pick last year, but to to see the stuff that he showed in person, I think that caught the attention of of a lot of scouts. I mean, he was he was sitting ninety four to ninety eight. Obviously, all these velocities you can chop a few miles an hour off them once they're in a starting role. Right. But 
he can touch. I mean, we've our reports on him last year were up to like 97, I think, during the season, and then 99 later on. I mean, he was he was pumping it mid to high 90 today, and then the question on him has always been, well, does he have the secondary stuff? And and at least today he showed, you know, it was a. I'm pretty sure it was a changeup that he threw to Bogarts. We're talking to Bogarts a little bit after the game about it. And he was like, he, he was just kind of befuddled <laughs> at that pitch. So I mean, it was it came in at 90 miles an hour. It's it's pretty firm, but uh, he 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 just compl- he was the only guy who made Xander Bogarts look really uncomfortable. Um, he the velocity was good. I thought the secondary stuff was 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 pretty solid too. Um, he was a guy who who I think got the attention of a lot of scouts with what he showed today. No, I think so too. But talking to him, he said. Yeah, this isn't my first time in a, a big league stadium. You know, the Rockies brought me in after a sign, and I got to do that. But he said, but it's different because when you do that, you're kind of an interloper. I mean, you're there, but really your main job is don't let me do anything stupid to to really to anger the big leaguers. Right. You're just there to kind of look around and, like, don't break anything. When you go on the field, you're just, you know, he – your job is to stay out of the way so that the big leaguers can get ready to do their job that night. It's an entirely different situation for these guys when they come in for a futures game and they're in a big league ballpark and they're the guy in the big league ballpark. You know, we're doing interviews after the game in the clubhouse and the clubby's coming by and goes, you want your shoes, you know, shine, you know, cleaned up, you know, your cleats after the game. That doesn't happen in the minor <laughs> leagues. They're in a big league locker room, you know, with clubhouse. You don't get that. I mean, it's a lot bigger. It's a lot nicer. And when you go out to the field, you take BP. You know, we were joking about, like, guys were hitting them into the second deck. The second deck doesn't exist, in you know, where they're normally playing. The first deck doesn't yeah. exist sometimes. Yeah, usually it's like there's the grass berm where uh, the, the party area, you know, where the picnic area where you can hit it to. All those things are different. And these players, for most part, are at a point where it's like, no, this is a really, really big deal. Matt Davidson, the MVP today, hit a home run today. He said, you know, he found out, like, okay, I can't have as many friends and family as I wanted here because unlike in the minor leagues, there's not just unlimited free comp tickets for all your friends and family. Like here it's like, oh, $80. Okay, well, we've got to cut that list back. But he had a lot of friends and family here today because this is a chance. This is something unusual for you, you know, for a minor league player. For all these guys, this is, you know, there's a small select group. I, I joked with Taiwan Walker and Christian Yelich after the game. Both of them were like, this has been great. Hopefully this is my last time here. They both, this is their, they're making repeat appearance. You don't want to be a three times future. That was gamer. what Jerickson Profar was saying last year too. <laughs> Work, thankfully it worked out for him. Said to Taiwan Walker, I mean, after it's like, congratulations on what is, I have to imagine, the last inning that you will ever throw at the Futures game. And one of the interesting things he said was is that, you know, I was in double-A this time last year. And if the Mariners had called and said, you're coming up, I'd have absolutely said, sure, I'm coming up to pitch. But I wouldn't have known that I was ready. He said, now, if they called and said, hey, you're, you're starting tomorrow, I know I'm ready. I know I have I have a plan now of what I'm going to do. You know, I'm way more ready now than I would have been a year ago. Christian Yelich didn't give that that speech, but he did say like, okay, hopefully this is my, you know, he's only in double. 
there's a slight chance he could still, you know, have a chance. But he said, you know, like hopefully this is the he's repeat. Uh, Billy Hamilton hopes to not be back. Uh, you know, there are a select group who are this was their second trip, but for the guys on the first trip, this is a highlight. I mean, this is this is one of those days for some of these guys. This is going to be the highlight because some of these guys are never going to be you know long term big leaguers, but. For a lot of these guys, this will be one of the days where they go, okay, that was one of those days where I knew I was a little closer. I knew, you know, Xander Bogarts already has confidence. He already knows he can play. But it's a further a further reminder of, hey, I'm really close. When Xander Bogarts goes out there and it's like, hey, I'm facing some of the best pitching there is in the minors, and I'm handling it. That, that's important. That means something. Yeah, and you, and you could see the difference between guys like – Somebody like him or, uh, you know, somebody like George Springer, some of these guys who are a little bit more polished, more advanced, have played on a high-profile stage before, been a high draft pick, you know, or accustomed to a lot of attention versus seeing somebody like, um, you know, I guess a Noah's had a lot of attention on him before but really hasn't pitched on any kind of a stage like this. Or or Rafael DePaula, who you know looked like he was trying out for a team today where which you know 2 years ago he he was still doing for his you know third year in a row and hadn't pitched in the in the United States before this year so he's only been pitching in i mean he's only been pitching in US minor league stadiums for what two and a half uh or or three and a half months right and now all of a sudden he's pitching in city field where there's you know, two and three decks in the stadium, and he's in New York, even though he's not a Met, he's a Yankee, and there's a lot of media there, a lot of New York media there to talk to him. He was doing, I promise you he did more interviews this morning than he probably has done as a pro. Yeah, he was he was pretty packed with a lot of guys who, who wanted to talk to him, and look, obviously his English, I mean, he's, he's he was, been in yeah, the States for a year. He's he's, translated for yeah, him. which is totally understandable. But and but you could see you know the delivery today, you know a little more effort than than he usually does certainly compared to when he was an amateur, uh, it was a little bit out of control today. But you know you, you can certainly understand why that would be. Yeah, it it's understandable, but it is there's there are guys in this game who this game almost looks like it was going slowly for them, and there's other guys in this game that looks like whoa this is a, a new stage, and a much more difficult stage to kind of. Uh, <laughs> to be on, which it, which is it's not even not even like that doesn't mean they're not going to be good players down the road. It just means that yeah, this is a learning experience. Yeah, well, that's also the di- like the difference between this versus like the Rising Stars game, where it's mostly Double A, Triple A guys, or or a mother minor league All Star game, which all guys at the same level. Here you have you know, I, I don't know if they I'm trying to think if they face each other, but you have like Rafael Montero. You know, somebody who's, you know, or other guys of AAA experience might just go up against, you know, somebody who, you know, has only played in, in A-ball. Well, I'll give an example of a guy who actually looked pretty good, but Miguel Almonte, who looked, I thought, pretty good in this game, showed, you know, did not just go out there and rear back, was actually using his secondary stuff some. Miguel Almonte, I do believe, I may have the exact date wrong on this, but if you rewound a year from today... I think he was still pitching the DSL. That might be true, yeah. He was pitching the DSL. Paula definitely was. 
you know, but, Nepal, in Nepal's yeah. case, I yeah, I, 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 in Almonte's case, like he's like a normal DSL guy though. He was like, right. you know, I mean, with Dupala, he's he was stuck in the DSL for for lack of uh, you know visa and all. But in Almonte's case, you have a guy who goes from a year ago at this time pitching in the Dominican Summer League to pitching against AAA hitters today. I mean, and Almonte only has his experience is like. In the U.S. is 30 innings, I think, in the AZL, a little an appearance and a couple appearances in the Appy League playoffs, and then low A this year. And he's facing guys way more experienced than him. Like you see on the flip side, like a guy like Andre Rienzo, I was saying, hey, this may be an inning that the U.S. actually can cause some damage. I should have actually thought it through a little bit more. This game for Andre Rienzo is like I, I face Team Cuba. I mean, this is not that you know that unusual for me this is he's in a, he's got a lot more experience than a lot of the other guys in this game he's a lot he's a lot older yeah and that makes a difference yeah a little different for Almonte facing the uh team usa future game roster versus yeah. uh the dsl yankees too <laughs> yeah there, there's a there is a giant difference there um it, it is though like this game is one of those that it, it's funny because a lot of times the game itself, sometimes there's a guy who, like, I remember there was the Mike Trout game where Mike Trout basically was the guy who stood out. And, that was the Mike Trout game. You know, this game, if I had a, if I had a theme for it, it was an Arizona Diamondbacks game. And I say that because Matt Davidson was, you know, as far as the game itself, Matt Davidson was the MVP, hit a home run, pretty much in this game when there's, I think, six runs scored overall and not that many hits. If you had a, you know, there's not. It's going to be hard for a pitcher to ever be MVP of this game because you're not going to get to pitch enough. So Matt Davidson MVP, Chris Owings, who we haven't had a chance to talk about, um, probably the. I'm not saying he's not the best defender who was here, but if you said who had the best game defensively today, I, I would probably say Chris Owings was that guy. Yeah, I mean, part of it's just opportunity. Lindor had, I think, way one ball hit to him, or and it was just like a line drive right at him. But uh, you know, I think we both take Lindor as a Oh, yeah. Defender and as an overall player over over Chris Owings, but Owings just got more opportunities today, and he took advantage of him. That's part of a big part of what the futures game is. You just have to have those opportunities. That running catch that he made over his shoulder, going in a shallow left field, was was a, a great play. Uh, really good read off the bat, really good body control and and hand eye coordination to make that catch while you're on the run. And then he, I think he was involved in like three different double plays. A couple of them on the on the back end with some nice throws right on the money, and then one of them where he picked it on the backhand. That was another uh, nice double play that he started with uh, with Colton Wong, who also looked you know pretty good. It's not like a you know Wong is never going to be a guy who just blows you away with his tools or his power or anything like that. But uh, you know he's, he actually had some surprising pop for his size, and it's a you know a nice swing, a good approach, very steady player. Um, but yeah, him and obviously him and, and then the power that Davidson showed both in. And Archie Bradley and, had a good game, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Archie Bradley, it's, uh, to me, he was the most impressive pitcher. You could just see uh, the – I don't even know if he got a, a swing and a miss on, on any pitches, but he was throwing his curveball for strikes, and, and you could just see the quality of the pitch. You know, there, that, that's not going to be a pitch that's going to have many problems getting guys a swing and miss at. It's, you know, low 80s. It's it's hard. It's sharp. It's It's got late bite to it. And, and then, obviously, the fastball is, is – you know, at least in this outing, you know, mid to to high 90s. But, no, but Owings, it's funny, uh, talking to him and talking to Brandon Nemo after the uh, game, 
the great, the best play probably of the game defensively. There's really the best play of the game. I'd say is like if you said who was what was the play I remember. It was the sack fly. It was a sack fly. The Bogarts play. The Bogarts play where you know Peterson makes a, a pre, little bit off line, but a pretty solid throw home. Hedges kind of goes to get it. Bogarts you know dives around it. That was kind of the bang bang play of the day. But the the over the shoulder catch by Owings, partly that was set up because I was kind of wondering when it was hit. I was like, uh, you know, huh, why did Nemo not make that play? Nimmo, I should say. He, he, it's pronounced Nimmo, according to him. His Pronunciation guide says Nemo, but then his Twitter handle is "You found Nimmo." Yeah, is, you're feeding into that. You can't, you can't complain about that one. But um, talking to him, he didn't know he was going to play left field. He took BP, you know, when he was shagging, and when he, when he took infield, he was in center, and then when they said, "Okay, go into the game," he said, "Okay, you're going into left." Well, so he got you know he said I, I haven't played left field at all. The only time I played left field is in the Under Armour game for a little while, which was as an amateur. So he said the first couple of at bats, he was like, okay, I'm gonna play deep because at least they're not gonna hit it over my head. Oh. Owings, smart player that he is, had talked to Nemo, knew that this was you know like he was playing further back, so he knew that for one that he had more room to cover there. And what might need it, but also they had a little bit more because Nimmo wasn't going to come run him o- run over him because he was playing back. So that kind of set up. If you'd have had you know Jock Peterson still there in left field, maybe that wouldn't have actually been you know Owings play. Mm. So just one of those little random things that we see in the futures game, like Billy Hamilton leaving the game and then coming in and pinch running for George Springer. So you have a guy who's probably a 65 runner in Springer, 60 65 runner. Well, after this was after Hamilton had also played already and had a couple of bats and then came out of the game yeah. and then came back in to pinch came run. Came back in to pinch run. And the funny thing is, is they pinch ran him for a guy who's one of the faster guys on the field. Um, but they, we saw that. We saw guys go from positions to playing DH. We saw, I mean, there was all kind of things going on. It's a little special different. You know, it's a futures game, so it's a little bit different. But it was fun, as it always is. Before we wrap this up, is there anything else that we, we didn't cover that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously the, uh, you know, Arizmendi, Alcantara, yeah, the I, home run that, that he hit. I mean, he's he's a, I like him a lot. He's we, gotten a lot better over over the last few years. He wasn't really – he was okay, uh, you know, was his first few years when he signed, but it was, it was more tools and skills, and it just – it didn't seem like it was going to come together for him, but he's just slowly – progressed and and really last year was he he took a leap forward and then this year it just seems like he's you know I don't know how much of it is is for real I'm I'm still on the fence about him but obviously the tools are there it's he is becoming more selective at the plate which I think is is has really been the key for him uh and is going to continue to be the key for him going forward but it's I mean the tools are there and they're starting to turn into skills no I'm, I'm really impressed with him as well He's a guy who, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's going to be a very solid big league regular for a long time. It's funny, I, during the game, someone was talking to me on Twitter. They said, like, you know, well, Jock Peterson, you know, he'll be better than Andre Ethier, right? And it's like, if he's Andre Ethier, Andre Ethier's had a good career. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I think if he's Andre Ethier, that's a very good career path for for. Jock Peterson, myself. Yeah, there's no complaints about that. I mean, Andre Ethier, I looked it up. He's had 
he had a six-year stretch of 120 uh, plus OPS plus. I mean, that's he's very he was consistently one of the better hitters in baseball for a six-year span. That's really good. I, I think sometimes we it's easy to get kind of a little bit overboard on you know prospect. I think Arzmendi Al- Alcantara is going to be a very solid big league regular. That doesn't mean he's going to be you know, a perennial all-star or anything, but I think he's going to be really good. I mean, and that's, it's funny, like, you know, a lot of times it's like when we point out, like, okay, well, this guy's not, doesn't have this, doesn't have this. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a solid player. It just means, no, there are, there are pluses and minuses, you know, and that's one of the things, Alcantara, there's a lot of pluses there. I, I was, I was, I was also impressed with him today. It's the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. I'm JJ Cooper. He's been Badler. We are, uh, I hate to wrap this up because this is fun, but I, I still have quotes to transcribe and there's notes to read and edit and write and all tonight before we head to bed. We'll have more probably. This is recording this Sunday night. We'll have more to do on, on Monday. Got, we've got scouts to talk to and all to kind of further digest the futures game. It's, it's something that the game takes under, took two and a, two, almost a little over two and a half hours a day, way more than two and a half hours of actually processing it and kind of trying to get the information to you from the futures game. Thanks for the download. Thanks to our friends at draftday.com. Thanks to you, Ben, for uh, it's been a fun, fun to actually get to see, you know hang out with you in person for uh, for a change. You know we don't get to do that all that often now. But uh, but thanks to and again thanks to download. We will be back again. Really, won't be me this week. I'm going on vacation after Futures Game, but we'll have another hopefully a uh, Prospect Handbook podcast for you later in the week. So long, everyone. <laughs>